Well, I did it again yesterday. I went to Publix. But this time there were no Girl Scout cookies, which was very, very sad. But I had another amazing thing happen. I went just to get a few things for lunch and dinner. And um, I don't know if this ever happened to you guys. Maybe I'm talking to the husbands in the room, the fathers in the room, but I was, I was uh, navigating the store and, um, and like when I went through the cookie aisle, some double stuffed Oreos just happened to fall right into the cart. <laughs> that ever happened to you? And I was going down some other aisle, like some crackers and stuff. And then I saw some Hostess cupcakes and they fell into the cart. And then I was going through the frozen food section and some bluebell ice cream hopped into the cart. I went to get like three items. I spent like $14,000. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I didn't know I needed the peeps that are out because it's Easter, but I did. I didn't realize I needed the double stuffed Oreos, but I did. I went for a few things and I came back with a lot more things. Things I didn't realize that I needed because they weren't on my grocery list. But when I saw them, I realized I got to have them. This is the primary reason my wife does not send me to the grocery store. <laughs> Do any other husband, like, can you relate to this? All right. My kids love it when I go to the grocery store because I might actually even forget the real reason I'm there and just come home with a lot of sugar, which to me, it's an integral part of a healthy diet. I didn't realize I needed them, but I, I, I got them. You know, I had to see them. And, and, and sometimes seeing something is uh, a necessary reminder of what you need. Now I know groceries in terms of what I'm buying, at least are not needs, they're wants, but sometimes it takes seeing it to realize it. That's why, you know, if you're ever watching a game or something late at night, right? There's all these like food commercials. You ever be sitting there like 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And you're like, man, I could really use a double cheeseburger right now. I mean, I just had dinner, I just had a big bowl of ice cream, just had a package of peeps. But you know, when, I, when, when that commercial comes across, listen, these marketing agents, they know what they're doing. Sometimes you don't realize what you want or what you need until you see it. And, and that's, that, that's also true with some, uh, some of our deepest needs, actually like some things that we truly need need. And it's true for uh, a, a man who lived during the days of the followers of Jesus. Those, those men and women who were, who were leading forward after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, after he ascended to heaven, there's this period where God began working through average ordinary people to accomplish some extraordinary things. We talked about that last week, actually, if you were with us or even if you weren't, that's okay. We, we talked about how there's this movement known as the church now where God's like he's, he's not working through specialists anymore. It's not, it's not just, you know, through the priests and the prophets. Now God's working through average ordinary people and he's doing extraordinary things. And this movement known as the church has started and, and, and God's like just doing some incredible things. And, and, and there's, there are these leaders, Peter and John, two of the like key leaders in the church. And, and they, were, they, were, they were going to the temple complex one day and they met a man who didn't fully understand what he needed until he had this encounter with Peter and John. He thought he needed one thing, 
but he quickly discovers, no, (laughs) he has a deeper need. And he only will discover this through the ministry of Peter and John. An incredible situation, life-giving, life-changing situation where Peter and John demonstrate as ordinary men, extraordinary power. Let me show it to you in Acts chapter three. If you have a copy of God's word, feel free to follow along if you're watching us there at home. We'll go to Acts chapter three today. We're looking at, at, at this, this movement that, that has generated some bold moves. I, I wanna show you some incredible boldness today out of these ordinary men, Peter and John. Here's what happened. Now they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the prayer service that happened about three o'clock. So this is like the afternoon prayer time, prayer service at the temple grounds there in Jerusalem, all right? And as they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate. It was the gate called the beautiful gate. And so he was placed there so he could beg from all of the people who were going into the temple. It's a strategic location. I mean, you, you would think people who are going into worship and to pray would be somewhat motivated at that point to, to give and to help a man who were incredibly needy. And so he's placed there. Peter and John are walking by. Check this out. And when Peter and John were about to enter the temple courts, he asked them for some money. He had a grocery list. In his mind, he thought, that's my greatest need right now. That's my greatest need. I just need a few dollars to get me through the day. And so he sees Peter and John, just as he was with everyone passing by. He says, hey, could you spare some change? And then Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us, look here. And the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. He thought, yes, the gravy train has arrived. And Peter says to him, I I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I'll give you is what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and his ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up, he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking, leaping and praising God, he went in the temple with them. And then all the people on the temple grounds saw him walking. They saw him walking and they heard him praising God. And when they realized it was the lame beggar that they had seen so often there at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded or astonished. This man thought he needed one thing, but he comes to realize he needed something more profound and more significant. Now here's what's happening. Peter and John arrived at the temple complex in the afternoon there, about 3 p.m., which was a time of prayer and gathering at the temple grounds. And the lame man, we learn, was carried there by some people who were gracious to him to help him get to the temple grounds so that he could beg for some money and get enough food to survive. And we are told very clearly here that this young man, this lame man was in the condition from birth, which is very, very important. No one could say, well, maybe it was just um, a case where he woke up that day and he had overcome whatever ailment had, had triggered in his body for the past few weeks or few months kind of thing. No, 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 this guy for the duration of his life was unable to use his legs. And as a result, the religious leaders of the day would have viewed him as 
spiritually unclean. That's why he was placed outside of the beautiful gate and not inside. He was not allowed inside the inner grounds of the temple because the common view of the day, and I know this is crazy to us, but this is how it worked, is that this man would have been deemed stricken by God. Somehow he sinned and maybe even in the womb, his parents sinned, something happened where God's judgment was on him. That's why he couldn't walk. And so no one was inclined to truly help the man because they viewed him as spiritually unclean. In other words, he was getting either what he deserved or what his parents deserved. And, and, and most of the religious leaders would just left him alone. And so he was brought there by some people in his culture who had some kind of grace and at least grace enough to carry him into the temple grounds every day and place him before what was known as the beautiful gate. Now, let me just show you a picture here of, of the temple complex in Jerusalem in the first century and how it would have worked. You, you see here on the very outside, kind of at the bottom of the screen, the entryway into the, like the court of Gentiles there, all right? And, and, and you see there, uh, the, kind of like a, light brown door, that's the, that's the beautiful gate. That, that entered into what's known as the court of women. And then there's another gate that gets you into the larger building, which was the, the inner gate where only Jewish men could go and worship. And so kind of that second gate there was known as the beautiful gate. And that's where the lame man was placed. He was right there outside those doors so that all of the Jewish men and women walking by to get into the inner part of the temple complex would have been inclined to maybe give to help. And then on this fateful day, along comes Peter and John. And I love, I just love the interaction. You notice that the, 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 the lame man, by the way, he speaks to them, but, but he does not look at them. This is because of his shame, no doubt. This is because of his condition. He was inclined to sit and to beg, but he was not allowed to look up. He wasn't looking people in the eye. He was, you, you see his humility and his shame here. Reminds me of Psalm 3 that says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God, well, check this out. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. The one who lifts up my head. And, and it's fascinating, this, this man kind of has this shame about him. He's not lifting up his head. He's not, he's not looking at, at Peter and John in the eyes. But notice, he, he just asked them, hey, can you spare some change? And notice Peter and John, it says, they gaze at this man. They look at him intently. Kind of like the first time my wife saw me. <laughs> I mean, gazed intently. <laughs> I might be exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> so they, they make eye contact with him. And then you notice what happened then, check this out. And, and then Peter's like, hey, hey, look at us. The man's like, hey, can, can you spare some change? And Peter and John stop, they gaze at him and, and they say, hey, look at us. And no doubt the man at this point is like super excited. Wow, no one's ever asked me to look him in the eye before. I mean, they must be about to, to, to like maybe, maybe write a nice check or, or, or give me quite a bit of silver. He like, this guy's like no doubt excited. Wow, and he looks up and then Peter drops this on him. Hey, look at me. I'm not carrying any cash. 
It's kind of like our society. We all have debit cards now, right? Remember when you used to use cash? Remember when you had the gas pump? Some of you wonder, maybe you're younger, like why your parents, you know, like old people like me, like still at the gas station, I still do this. I still top that baby off to be right at an even number. <laughs> you used to have to do that, right? Because you don't want to have to go in and pay and then get a bunch of change. And so I still do that, even though I can't tell you the last time I paid cash for gas. You know, you just swipe your debit card. Maybe this guy's like, okay, Peter's like, I don't have, I don't have any cash on me. So, so he's, Peter and John come by. He's like, hey, can you spare some change? He's like, hey man, look me in the eye. The guy looks up, yes. And Peter's like, I don't have any cash. <laughs> and I, mean, I would love to know what was going through that guy's mind in that moment. But then, of course, Peter says, but what I have, I give you. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. I mean, in that split second, is that guy thinking, is this a cruel joke? Is that guy thinking, what in the world? I don't need that. You can't do that for me. I need money so that I can eat. Peter, John reached down, they They take the guy and they pick him up. And sure enough, for the first time, think about this, for the first time in his life, he's able to stand under the power of his own legs. (laughs) I mean, this is amazing. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, this occurs 35 times in the book of Acts. I mean, there's power in the name of Jesus, right? We've just been singing about this. And in the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, these ordinary men with this extraordinary power lift the man up. And for the first time in his life, he's able to stand on his own two legs. And it's a reminder to us that when God brings healing, you don't go to rehab for six months. When God brings healing, he heals holistically and immediately. And this man's immediately brought to strength. And he's standing there really in fulfillment of what Isaiah said would happen through the ministry of Jesus. Remember what Isaiah said, Isaiah 35, then the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame man will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. And what happened to this lame man? He began to leap like a deer. I mean, I don't know if we can do that in church. Jason's already got us dancing today. I ain't never been to no Baptist church with dancing. I mean, can you imagine though? Can you imagine this man, his entire life considered unclean, his entire life considered a a, a plague to his society and in his entire lifetime suffering, just begging. And immediately these two men come by and say, I ain't got no loose change for you, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand and walk and they stand him up and there he is. And what does he do? What's the scripture say that that he does here? It's just awesome. He says, and then he began leaping like a deer, I'm sure, just like Isaiah taught us. He said he began leaping. He he began jumping around and he began praising God. Isn't that what you would do? Has the power of Jesus become so familiar to us that we lose out on what would have been this incredible enthusiasm of this man? I mean, the dude's like got his legs. He starts leaping around. He starts jumping in the temple, right? Woo! I mean, hang on a second. (laughs) He's probably a little better shaped than I am, right? The dude is walking. And he's not just walking, he's leaping, he's jumping around. He's like, I can do this. I mean, I I I don't know what he's doing, right? I don't want to get too carried away here. (laughs) 
Somebody said years ago, I read this, I love this. The lame man asked for alms, but he got legs. <laughs> Come on. And for the very first time in his life, he got to walk into the temple. For the very first time in his life, he got to go into a, the, the place that was the most revered and the most holy and, and he got to walk in with everybody else. And, and he, he walks in, he leaps in, he jumps in, he break dances in and he makes a fool out of himself. And he's just shouting, I'm healed. I can look everybody, I can walk, I can run, I can jump. And, 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 and he makes a fool out of himself. And the, and, and the scripture says here that he, that, 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 that he, gets, that he gets into the, to the, to the temple there. And like he, 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 he's just like making a stir, right? And, and, and he's, he, 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 all the people there hear him praising God and they see him walking and they realize this is the dude who every single day is sitting outside the beautiful gate. Now, how do they know it's him? Well, he's the only one in there walking around dressed like a beggar. He's the only one in there walking around with no deodorant on. He's the only one walking around in there that, 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 that you know, is all disheveled and, and, and unclean. This, I mean, this guy's been sitting in the dust and the dirt all of his life. And now he's in there walking around. Yeah, they recognize him. They walk past him every single day of the week. And what does the scripture say? They were amazed, astonished. And they all rushed out in amazement in what had happened as they saw this man now clinging to Peter and John. You see, this man thought when he got up that morning, when his buddies carried him to the beautiful gate, he thought he needed one thing, but he came to discover he needed something much more. He thought he needed a little silver to buy a few groceries. But what he really needed was the life giving and the life changing power of Jesus to save his soul and to enable him to walk. And it's a reminder to you and me, listen, even though our circumstances are a little bit different today, check this out. Our greatest need, our greatest need is only met in the person of Jesus. I want you to understand today, your greatest and deepest need can only be met in the person of Jesus. Some of you walked in these doors today, or you're tuning in online this morning and, and you, you got out of bed today thinking about something that you consider to be in this moment, your greatest need. It's a financial need. It's a phys physical need, a health need. It's a relational need. It's a family need. It's a work need. Uh, uh, provision need, you, you, you woke up today perhaps thinking there's something that I need in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, in order to have peace. And I just want you to see that so often what we think we need is only pointing us to a deeper need. Because the greatest need that you have and the greatest need that I have can't be met by anyone or anything in this earth. It can only be met by the person and the work 
of Jesus of Nazareth. And so let me give you two quick takeaways here that I I believe help us with our bold moves here, okay? To see, first of all, that God's greatest work is meeting our greatest need. I just want you to know God's greatest work in your life will always be aimed at meeting your greatest need. God is not a heavenly bellhop who just shows up and we need something here and there. No, no, no. Listen, God is always going to be working in your life to target your greatest need. We see a powerful example of this in, in Jesus' ministry. It's actually similar to what happens here with this lame man in Acts 3. But check out Matthew 9. Notice something similar. And behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, for your sins are forgiven. And I'm sure this guy is thinking, my sins are forgiven. I need to walk. That's why I asked my buddies to get to you. He had faith in Jesus to heal. He heard about Jesus. He, he, he no doubt had, had maybe even witnessed Jesus somehow. I mean, he, he knew about Jesus. He told his buddy, just get me to Jesus. I think Jesus can heal me. He had faith. And Jesus says, yes, you have faith, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. And the guy's like, dude, no, no, I need to walk. And check this out. Some of the scribes said to themselves, you know, those people who were there, they saw this man as unclean. They saw Jesus saying he's the Messiah, demonstrating great power. Like, well, he can't be the Messiah if he's hanging out with sinners like the paralytic. And so they say, well, Jesus is blaspheming. Who is he to think that he can forgive sins? But Jesus, check this out, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think this evil in your hearts? What is easier to say that your sins are forgiven or, or rise and walk? Now think about that. Which is easier? It's kind of a trick question because you know what? Through the power of our incredible Savior, he can do both. And so Jesus says, so you might know that the Son of Man, that's me, has the authority to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, all right, get up, buddy. Take your bed and get out of here. (laughs) And he heals him. What is Jesus helping us to understand? The physical healing that he miraculously brought time and time and time again was always intended to point us to his ability to bring spiritual healing. Jesus wasn't about making people more healthy and comfortable on their way to hell. Jesus makes it clear, no, I'll heal the sick and the lame and the blind and the deaf and the mute and the demon possessed so that everyone will know that I also have the power to forgive sin. I'll meet this immediate need so that I can have an avenue to meet the greater need. And what is the greatest need that you and I have this morning? It's that our sins will be forgiven. That the shame that the lame man has in Acts 3 that the shame that we have in our guilt and our sin, listen, that, that, that the shame that we carry because of our unrighteousness, listen, the guilt that we have that points us toward an eternity where we're separated from God in a place of judgment. Listen, Jesus came to rectify all of that. And through his death and resurrection, he provides a way of salvation for us. We only need to believe in the name of Jesus to turn from our sin, to turn from our shame into 
holistically embrace the forgiveness of Jesus. And the scripture says that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You see, God will work to meet some secondary needs so that he can work to meet your greatest needs. His greatest work in you is to meet your greatest need. Because here's the thing. We, we get so caught up in our lives that we think, you know what, God, if you'll just do X, Y, and Z, you know what, I'll, I'll always be happy. I mean, I can just imagine the lame man saying to Peter and John, okay, you know what, if you'll just help me to walk, what do you mean you don't have any change? All right, if you don't have any change, if you'll just help me to walk, I'll never be unhappy again. But you know what, that's a farce. Because, listen, the world is full of people who have been walking all their lives and who are living in unhappiness. The world is full of people who have been through difficult times and, and survived them. And they've said in those difficult times, God, if you'll just X, Y, Z. And then some months or some years later forgot that they said it. And then they're back to normal. And the normal always leads to unhappiness and unfulfillment. And, and what I'm saying is, listen, our, our greatest need, our greatest need that, that, that will echo into eternity is not a physical need. It's a spiritual need. And the one thing every single one of us desperately needs is a personal relationship with Jesus, who is our Messiah, who alone offers forgiveness and reconciliation to God. That's our deepest need. You see, our greatest needs met in the person of Jesus and God's always working to meet that need, pointing us toward that need, to, to tying us, tethering us to that, that, that remedy in Jesus of that greatest need. And then secondly, check this out. Let me just, just show you what connects here. Our greatest work, therefore, flows from that greatest relationship. God's always working and God's greatest work in you is to meet the greatest need in you. And, and once God meets your need for Jesus, your need for salvation. Listen, once God brings you that salvation, which I pray for some of you be today, listen, once you get there and you have that relationship with Jesus, then, then, then your greatest work will flow from that greatest relationship, the most important relationship. Peter and John, I just, listen, this is, this, woo, man. I know it's time change Sunday, but I'm gonna get a little, get a little excited here, all right? Listen, Peter and John, because of what Jesus does, begin to work powerfully. Boldly, the same Peter who just days earlier was denying Jesus. You know what he does now? He's walking all the way up into the temple, healing people, walking into the inner courts. Who's in the inner courts, you ask? The same religious and social leaders that put Jesus on the cross. That's who's in there. Let me show you what happens when Peter and John walked in with this lame man who's not lame anymore, but he's, he's break dancing and he's doing the moonwalk and, and, and he's listening to Christian rap music, okay? And all, all of these religious leaders now, check this out, check that. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Why? For they could see that they were just ordinary men with no training in the scriptures. Woo! Just ordinary people, just a couple of fishermen 
A man who days before was denying that he even knew Jesus. And now this man's in the temple courts. He's with the lame guy that through the power of Jesus has been healed. And, and these, these experts, these leaders, these, these elites are looking at this former fisherman and denier of Jesus. And they're like, what in the world? And they're blown away at the boldness of Peter now and John. And then you wanna know why? You wanna know why Peter and John have that boldness? Check this out. Because they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They had the power of Jesus. And then look at what happened. So since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing they could say. <laughs> And so they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and they conferred among themselves. And they said, what should we do with these men? They asked each other, we can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem now knows about it, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus's name again. In other words, we can't crucify these guys like we did Jesus because the whole town's in an uproar about this guy who was lame and who's now walking around breakdancing. And so let's just tell them they better shut up. And, and so look at this. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak and teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, who had once cowered before these men and denied their Lord, now facing potentially crucifixion themselves. And since literally the exact men who killed Jesus says, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We will not stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. The Greek says, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, how amazing is that? Who said that to the council? A couple of fishermen. A couple of people who weeks earlier were trying to figure out why their Messiah was hanging on a Roman cross. But some men who saw and encountered Jesus after the resurrection got filled with the Holy Spirit, had been with Jesus and now were ministering in his name. Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God uses these people like you and me to, 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 to show others that their greatest need is not physical, it's not relational, it's not financial. I'm not discounting the, the needs that we have in these areas at times. I'm simply saying there is a deeper layer of need that is spiritual. And God's greatest work is meeting our greatest need and his greatest work flows from our greatest relationship. I just want you to understand if you'll make yourself available to simply testify to the power of Jesus in your life, he will use you. Because if people can simply see that you've been with Jesus, it will make all the difference in the world. Average ordinary men. What brought about this boldness? What led Peter and John to make such bold moves as to heal a guy at the beautiful gate and march him into the temple grounds to stand before the same men who crucified Jesus? What led to this boldness? I can tell you the power of the Holy Spirit through the risen Messiah. In other words, the same power that you and I have. The same power. That's why as a faith family, listen to me, Bell Shoals, we are a church that makes bold moves. 
That's why we are a church who is zealous for community engagement. That's why we are a church who's zealous for church planning. That's why we are a church that supports some of the finest missionaries that the world has ever seen and known. That's why we are a church that's meeting the physical needs of those around us so that we have an on-ramp to talk about the greatest need, which is the spiritual need for salvation in Jesus. We are a church that has always made bold moves and we will continue to make bold moves because when Jesus is with you, those are the types of moves you make to testify to his greatness, to share his glory and to communicate that he is a solution to the world's greatest need. Listen, that's why even as we come to the tail end of this pandemic, that, that listen, we're, we're going through even some, some renovations here at, at our Brandon campus. Listen, we're, we're, we're updating some things. We're, we're, re, uh, in, <laughs> we're reinvigorating our, our ministry model. Listen, we're, we're developing a missional strategy for the future. Listen, we are working hard because we believe no matter what is happening around us, that God is working in us and through us. And we are gonna continue to be on the front lines of making bold moves. That's, that's, that's what the spirit leads us to. Listen, I told you last week and I appreciate your support already and your encouragement. Listen, that, that some of the things we're doing even just to our physical complex here to, to make greater on-ramps for ministry. Listen, we're off to a great start. You saw a little bit of what's happening in our, in our kids' wing. Let me just show you a picture here really quickly of, a, of another room that, that we recently renovated. Now this, <laughs> it's just a room, all right? But here's the kicker. This is a room in the annex. Does that look like the annex to you? That's what happens when Jesus brings healing. <laughs> Through our incredible facilities team. And when Jesus brings healing to the annex, it doesn't even smell in that room. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> Hey, we're working to make things better, more attractive. We're working on our kids building, our student building here in the next several months because we believe that we have some opportunities here with what God is doing to, to have a place where people can come and they can see that we love them, care for them, that we do everything with excellence and most importantly, that we have the solution to their greatest need. Listen, I'd love for you to continue to pray with us, to participate us in the days to come. Listen, I want you to be here if you're in town Easter weekend. We got some powerful things planned for Easter weekend for our community to have a gospel outreach. Listen, God is working, God is moving. If he leads you to support this initiative called Bold Moves, then we'd love to have you participate with us. If he, if he leads you as someone new to our faith family to connect with us, to partner with us, we'd love to have you because we believe we are a part of a movement that is absolutely unstoppable. And it's unstoppable because it's tied to a savior that's unstoppable. It's tied to a name that is unstoppable. It's, it's tied to a person in Jesus who's working to bring healing and grace to everyone that he touches. And so if you're here with us today, listen, you've, you've, never, you've, you've never asked Jesus in your heart, your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, you've never asked him to be your savior today, you can do that. I wanna encourage you to do that. Love to have you connect with us. You can simply text Bell Shoals at any time today or tomorrow or this week, 77411. Just text Bell Shoals to that number. We will get with you very, very quickly, I promise you, and facilitate how God's at work in your life. We'd like to introduce you 
to the saving power of Jesus. I promise you that's your greatest need. I want to encourage you to continue to be, to, to be steadfast in, in sharing your faith and being bold, knowing that God uses ordinary people or do extraordinary things as we esteem and proclaim the powerful name of Jesus. Listen, here in just a moment, we're going to sing one of my favorite hymns, In Christ Alone. You know what the last verse says? No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry till final breath. Do you believe this? Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man will ever pluck me from his hand until he returns or calls me home right here in the power of Christ I stand. And I live and I work and I serve. Do you believe that today? Come on. The power of Christ.